0: Welcome to the Escaping the Accountant's Trap podcast. It's a podcast to help accountants, CPAs, and bookkeepers escape what we call the accountant's trap, where accountants are trading time for money. Well, how do you escape the trap? One way is the topic of today's episode, and that's by getting your client to say yes to your proposal with zero selling. (laughs) To help me with the discussion, I've invited Will Hamilton, the CEO of SmartPath.co. Will, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Adam. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So uh, this is a very important topic, especially to accountants and bookkeepers, really any financial professional, because most accountants, if I had to guess, didn't get into this profession because they love selling (laughs) and they love marketing. Um, And essentially you're an expert at getting clients to say yes to proposals with zero selling. So that's right. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I I, I think the the concept, Adam, especially in this industry, is somehow, some way, if I'm going to give a client a proposal for services, I have to convince them to say yes to that proposal. And I think that premise is just flawed. When you look at the data, the reality is people that own businesses, people that are adults that need to pay taxes, they do things for their own reason, and you can't really convince Mm. them to do something. You really have to just try and and dig in and define a couple things. And once you make that definition of what progress they want to make, what impact is that going to have in their life, how are we going to help them make that progress, then now you get out of that position of having to sell and you can just fulfill. And that's where most people want to be. They just want to help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you brought up a couple of good points. I think the number one thing that is there's a giant misconception about what selling is. Like, cause most mm-hmm. people I would think think that sales is like this used car salesman that's trying to put one past you and, and, and trick the buyer. But that really isn't supposed to be what sales is.
1: No, no. The sales, sales, you know, is really meeting the client in their world and helping them make progress in their world. Um, I, I grew up on the East coast. I grew up in Maryland and when I was a kid, um, one of the ways that we would make money is we would shovel snow, right? That's a big thing you do back (laughs) East. And, and I remember being a kid and I started my approach when I would go knock on somebody's door and I would start my approach and I would say, Hey, um, can I shovel snow from your driveway today? Can I do that for you? And a lot of times people would say no. And I changed one thing, Adam. I started saying, instead of, can I shovel snow for you? I would say, Hey, did you plan on shoveling your driveway today? Was that something you were going to do today? And when I got out of the world of, Hey, can I do something for you to, Hey, can I take something off your plate? All of a sudden I remember in that afternoon things changed and now I had more driveways to shovel than I even wanted to shovel. But, but the, the point is we can't come at someone and interrupt them and try to get them into our world. We have to meet somebody with that's, that's in their world and what they're focused on. Yeah.
0: That's a great example because you shifted essentially the the sales conversation from, can I get something for me to, can Mm -hmm. I get something for you (laughs) help you out? And yeah. And buyers are, I know this is a, this is a very cheesy saying, but buyers are tuned into one radio station. (laughs) F (laughs) I I F it was F I W I I F M what's in it for me. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that, but that's just a very, very cheesy saying that stuck with me.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so trying to trying to come up with a methodology where we can define what's most important to that client, and then really starting the conversation there.
0: Okay. Perfect. All right. So we sort of set the stage that that selling doesn't have to be sleazy. It doesn't have to be trying to trick somebody. In fact, you're actually helping somebody. I mean, it, because wouldn't you say that if, if your product or service is not going to help, then as a, as a reputable sales person, uh, then you would probably be, in, you know, should not sell that or try to sell that person because you're not going to help them. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. Why, why would, why would I try and convince you to do something that's not good for you that doesn't align with who you are and what you want?
0: So from that respect, us, you know, everybody in the accounting world that's trying to sell accounting services, bookkeeping services, advisory services, whatever it is, your role really should be helping align what you're selling to what can help them. So when all of a sudden you're not really trying to sell, you're guiding, you're helping. Much like if you went to somebody that's in the desert for you know <laughs> for a long time and they're thirsty with a bottle of water, you don't have to sell that yeah. person. <laughs> I mean, that's you right. just don't. Right. You're helping them.
1: Yeah. And, and I think sometimes accountants and, and tax professionals and, and you know, advisors, they really almost forget how valuable they are in that client's life. Right. And, and your role shouldn't be to sell someone. The, the example I always use is, is a doctor. Uh, when you go to get medical treatment, the doctor is going to say, hey, you could take this pill and here's the side effects. Or you could get surgery. Here's how long it's going to take you to recoup. Or you could do nothing. You could stay sick if you want. But here's what I recommend. Because I'm the doctor in the room, right? I'm the medical professional. I'm gonna make a recommendation, but you get to choose the treatment that's for you. It's just my job to line up what your options mm. are and what the side effects are. And and that's really what the role of an advisor is: is you're not trying to convince the client to, to take your engagement, you're trying to outline the different options for treatment and then allow them to choose the best option for them.
0: Okay, perfect. That's a great segue to my next question. So if so so the accountants and bookkeepers that are trying to sell their services. How would you suggest that they sell to prospects uh, their services in the, in, in the, using the same example that you gave about the doctor? How would you suggest that they approach a client and give them options as it relates to selling accounting and bookkeeping services?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to define what progress does that client want to make in the next 12-month mm. period. If you look further than 12 months, life is too crazy. The world's too crazy. It's not tangible enough. We need to look at what do you want to focus on this year and just start there. And as the client starts speaking to you, you know, maybe one of the options is, you know, we feel like we're paying too much in tax. So, you know, we want to look at maybe converting to an S-corp or we just don't have insight into our accounting numbers. We have reams and reams of accounting data, but we don't know what it means. We don't know what to do with it. So we feel like we need help there. As the client starts describing their pain, you as the advisor then start drawing lines to services or mm. features that you can build into your engagement to help them solve that pain. Ooh. And so you have a menu, you have a toolkit. You're trained as an accountant, as a tax professional, as a, as an advisor, a CFO. We just have to start drawing the lines between their pain and our toolkit.
0: Oh, that's I love that because in, essentially what you're you're saying is have a conversation with them, understand their pain, and then relate their how you could solve their pain with the products that you're selling or the services that you're selling. (laughs) Instead of what that's right, you know, typical salespeople do is they do the opposite. They try to force what the benefits and features of the program is to or the services onto the client. That's a fantastic approach.
1: Yeah, because every every client is different. You could have two clients that have the exact same demographic, right? They're young and they have kids and they just bought their first home. But but they could be going in two opposite directions financially. Same thing with business owners. You could have two construction companies grossing $5 million each, and the owners of those companies could have wildly different priorities that year. Yep. And so, again, we have to get out of our world, get into the client's world, and then start identifying what are the things that I can offer to help this person. Oh,
0: I love that. I've, it- Case in point, from, from my own personal experience, when about six years ago, when I was building my outsourced CFO firm, I pitched a doctor. He owned a large doctor's uh, doctor practice. They were doing about $8 million in revenue. And he had a lot of doctors working for him. And I, I started uncovering his, what you're calling the pain points. I started uncovering that, and realized that what makes him tick was this doctor, his goal was to be published in the New England Journal of Medicine with this new right. invention for doing colonoscopies and that was his north star that's what he wanted yeah. whereas if i went in there and tried to pitch him from the idea standpoint of oh you should uh, you should hire me to be your cfo be- so you can make more money that that really didn't didn't resonate with him <laughs> he had a lot of money coming in he wanted to be able to take to to he wanted a financial professional to help him run his business better so that he can then take time out (laughs) instead of running his business to do this research so that he can be published. That's what made him tick. And that's when, when I related my program to his his pain point, he bought.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. And, and especially at that CFO level service, now you're really getting the weeds because that person has, once your business reaches multiple millions in revenue, you have so much complexity on your plate. There's a thousand things you could be doing. What are the one or two things that we can focus on to really move the needle? Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Hey there, Adam here from the Escaping the Accountant's Trap podcast. I'd like to personally invite you to a free masterclass that we're conducting this Thursday called How to Start a CFO Service. To register, just go to thecfoproject.com and click free training at the top. See you then. Let me ask you, Will, in terms of the question of price, how much is it? <laughs> I'm selling my bookkeeping mm-hmm. service, my tax service, whatever, CFO. Where, what point in the engagement and in, in the conversation with a prospect do you even talk about price? Yeah. And how, so, how do so, you talk about it?
1: We, we never like to hide price. We like to advertise price and make price front and center on our websites that we help firms develop. Uh, We help firms create client guide PDFs or education materials that they can send to a client before they even get on that first phone call so the client can understand the range of price. Mm. In that material, we never guarantee that it's going to be a specific fee, but we at least want them to understand the range so that when you do get on that quote unquote discovery call or strategy call or whatever you want to, to label it as, the client is at least willing to play ball at that level. Yeah. And and if they're willing to pay ball at that level, now we can say, okay, let's dive into your situation and customize a specific fee for what your needs are this year. Mm. So we like to get price out of the way directly up front before you even get on the phone. So you're not wasting your time with someone that may not be a good fit.
0: Interesting. Okay. So shifting gears just for a moment sort of putting all of this together, can, can you share a story about a client that you've worked with as an accountant, That was an accounting firm or bookkeeping firm or, or whatnot that you've helped sort of put these sales processes in place, revamp their website or whatever and what their practice looks like now and what really changed?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have a firm in Arkansas. I won't, I won't say the name cause they actually just recently got acquired in the last 90 days uh, they were generating about uh four hundred thousand dollars in gross revenue. It was a s- really small practice. Yep. We were able in about eighteen months to get them from four hundred thousand in revenue to just under a million in revenue
0: us in eighteen months
1: and in okay. eighteen months and and obviously, when they sold, they were able to sell on a multiple of the million yeah. instead of the multiple of the four hundred thousand so that that was a life changing event for that for that firm owner um so so the the structure is first we have to understand the The reality of where our clients are today are mm-hmm. what percentage of clients are just paying for compliance, historic services, and they're really not getting a ton of value from us. Yeah, we're, we're providing a commoditized service. What percentage of our clients are getting more value from us? Uh, maybe we're doing some advisory work. Maybe we're doing some other bookkeeping or payroll or other business services. And then where's the blue ocean? What percentage of our clients have complexity, mm-hmm. need help? but they're not getting that help yet. And, and systematically going through the process of, okay, what do we want to do with our bottom tier people? How do we want to approach them and have a conversation with them and automate that as much as we can. So we're not spending a bunch of time on it. Yeah. What do we want to do with our middle people? How can we move them up market? And then what do we want to do with our top tier of people? What's, what's the service item that I could give to them that would absolutely blow their mind and make them so happy to pay their bill and so happy to, to, to refer friends to us that that we can start approaching there. Interesting. And so it really starts with understanding your clients, who your ideal client is and who your clients are now and then tailoring your reach out and tailoring your conversation to that tranche or that group of clients.
0: So the 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 accounting firm that went from 400,000 to a million in annual revenue is that so is that the approach that you took with them you essentially first understood who they were targeting and then helped them figure out how to how to sell essentially their services to each of those segments of people in a way that doesn't feel like selling.
1: That's I mean, right. Was that really That's the right. first approach? That's the first step. And then once once you identify your groups of people, then you say, okay, what are the assets that we need to make this happen? Mm-hmm. Well, we need to update the website so that any new client that sees us is going to be coming in at the right education level. Uh, we need uh, some type of automated email campaign for the lower group of clients so that we can educate them quickly and without a lot of high touch. Uh, then we need to get the team aligned, right? We need to take some things off of the owner's plate, put it on the team's mm. plate so that he can have time to have those conversations with the top 10% of firms. Yeah. So so it's it's everything waterfalls off of each other, but it's it starts with number one, having confidence and the belief that you deserve to be paid as an advisor and you don't want to sell low value services anymore and then building the the plans and the assets to actually implement that.
0: Yeah, you uh, that's that's very interesting. You mentioned the word confidence. Do you feel that a lot of uh, people in this profession, of pra- you know, existing practice owners are lacking confidence? Is that, is that the right word? And what, like, what's the, what is preventing these accounting promoters from trans transitioning from owning a job essentially to owning a, a business that makes money? What,
1: what is yeah. that? I, I think it's a couple of things. I think one, one is a mindset. I think when you go and you get your, your bachelor's degree in accounting and, and you, you, you know, or you get an EA or you, you get your CPA, there's not a lot of support and education around this industry that teaches you how monetarily valuable you become. Mm. And so you become a very proficient technician and you learn tax law and you learn business concepts and accounting concepts, but you're not taught how those things can literally change the lives of your clients and change the businesses of your clients. Therefore, you deserve to to be paid well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think part of it is just a lack of, of education in the industry as a whole to teach you how valuable you are. And then I think the, the other part of it is because you are so technically skilled and there are such a vast array of things that you have to spend your brain power on to do your job. You, you think that selling is just as complicated as that. And in reality, it's not, it's very, very simple. And it's hard to switch your brain from the technical side of what you're doing to the emotional, human connection side of what you need to do to have that other conversation to get the client. Yeah, I agree with you. It,
0: it, it reminds me of that book, "The um, myth by Michael Gerber. Yeah,, uh, any, yeah. anybody listening, I'd, I highly recommend that book. It's great book. Yeah, yeah I mean, the premise is that, that it's, he, he explains this concept of what Will's talking about through the lens of a, I think, a, a pie bakery. <laughs> owner. It's a lady that likes to bake pies. She's a good pie bakery. So she starts a business, which most people do. Like we, you know, accountants who understand accounting start an accounting business. She liked baking pies, starts a pie baking business. But then all of a sudden she had to run the business and she couldn't just be the technician. And, and but that's what she knew. That's what she was good at. And you're, what you're saying is that accountants aren't trained in all the other things outside of just being the technician, being the one that's good at baking the pie.
1: That's right. And and even just the the psychological weight of being knee deep in, you know, six months worth of of financials that you're trying to understand in the morning. And then at one o'clock you have a call and you have to completely switch yeah. your brain to the right. emotional human connection side of your brain. That's two totally separate things. And it takes time and it takes practice and it takes a commitment to skill set to yeah. to be able to jump between both.
0: Yeah. I have- very interesting. We can go all day on this because this is super important. Um, before we run out of time, tell us about SmartPath.
1: Yeah, so 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 uh, my company. We've been working with uh, exclusively with small tax accounting firms for over fourteen years. Uh, We've been fortunate enough to help over 1,500 firms in in that time, and really our number one goal is to help firms increase their margin. Mm. Uh, How do you make sure that you can increase your margins in your practice so that you can pay yourself more, so that you can hire the staff you want to hire, so you can invest in marketing, so you can build a firm that really serves you? Because if you don't build a firm that serves you, then you just have a job, (laughs) but now you have all the, the added stress and liability of that job of being a firm owner. So you want to build a a firm that serves you. And so we always focus on helping firms increase margin. And we do that by having a very systematized and perfected way to price clients. Mm. And we help you, we help you price clients through our technology, through coaching, through education, so that you can really increase your margins in your firm. And so we've been really fortunate to help a lot of firms. Yeah,
0: that's excellent. Yeah. And I completely agree about the the idea between owning a job versus owning a business. And increasing margins is definitely needed in order to really have a, a money making machine because otherwise a job you know it's almost like you have the worst of both worlds you you right. you have a job without the steady paycheck and <laughs> now instead of one boss you have you know a ton of different bosses uh, your clients and if you're not making yeah. any money because you don't have high margins then what's really the point you you might as well just That's go it. get a job at that point at least you'll get a paycheck every friday <laughs>
1: That's it. That's it. And and really by no fault of their own, most firm owners are leaving tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, re- of revenue on the table uh, simply because they they don't have a mechanism to get compensated for all the stuff they're doing. Yeah. They give away the help for free. They give away totally. the advice for free. And so if we can close that gap, increase the margin, get paid for the work we're already doing, um, then it can just take that firm to the next yeah,
0: level. I completely agree. Yeah. Well, Will, where can, where can uh, listeners find you and SmartPath? Uh, Yeah. If
1: you go to our website, www.smartpath.co, um, we have a resources section in that resources. We have a ton of free playbooks that you can download, run on your own. And then if you feel like
0: you need some help, you can always reach out. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. And to everyone listening or watching, thank you so much for spending the last few minutes with us as we discussed how to escape the accountant's trap. Bye for now.